Welcome to Momentum Church. I'm telling you right now, you guys, this morning, the tryptophan didn't get you. Amen. I'm serious. Like first service, usually that first service after Thanksgiving, it is a snore fest. No, I'm teasing. But they were lit up. Y'all are lit up. Praise the Lord. And I'm looking around at everybody. I love all of you. But Chip, I don't love you. And it was rude that you would wear that whole garb. You had the hat, Michigan hat, everything. I almost lost my anointing. That second half was bad, bro. So, um, yeah, definitely. We were definitely out coached for sure. But OH, no, don't even say IO. So, oh my. <laughs> no, it's good to be here today. Now, here's the thing we're jumping back into the book of John, and I'm just going to kind of let you know where we're headed. We're going to do John 18. A couple weeks ago, Brian Shaw had finished with the first part of John 18. We're going to hit the last part of John 18, and then we're going to put John away. We have a Christmas series. We have a series to start the new year, a series in February. And then what we're going to do is we're going to come back to John and do 19, 20, and 21 during the season of Lent. Because that time leading up to Easter, it fits perfectly because 19, 20, and 21 are the stations of the cross. It's kind of the, 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 the story up to the resurrection, all right? But what I want you to do today is open your Bibles to John chapter 20, or chapter 18, John chapter 18. And um, there's a, a twofold purpose for the book of John. And I remind you of this often when there's been a gap since we have been in John. And that is that we would believe in Jesus as the Christ. And that in believing that we would have life. Everybody say, have life. That's the, 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 the whole purpose of the book of John, that we would see Jesus for who he really is, and then we would put our faith or our belief in him and then experience life. And I've told you guys before, that word believe, it's not just like I believe that Jesus did this or I believe that. No, no, it's belief in. It's, it's the Greek word pistuo, and it literally means allegiance. Everybody say allegiance. Like he is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Amen? Like he is the one that I've given my whole life to. And because I believe in him, I get to experience all that he has for me in life as well. And so it's believing in Jesus, but then experiencing life. And as I was reading this chapter, John 18, reading it like back the last part of August, first part of September. I'm usually a couple months ahead of you all when it comes to obviously reading and preparing and things like that. As I was reading it, I came across a passage of scripture that God just really opened up something in my heart that I felt had a prophetic edge, a prophetic edge. Now, in the last six months, there's been a couple times, this is the second time, that I've said, I believe this word is a prophetic word for us, for America, and so on. I don't say that lightly, amen? What do you mean by prophetic? Prophetic, I'm not saying foretelling, you know? I'm, I'm not saying that you are going to, Zachary, look so much handsomer six months from now. That's foretelling. You are because like he says to me all the time, he's like, Ross, I get better looking every day. No, no. No, but what prophetic is in Scripture, it's, it's the idea of forth telling. It's a timely word from the Lord for this moment in time. Amen? And I believe God has that word for us today. And, and it's got a little bit of an edge to it. Is that all right? Good. 
And if you're upset by the time I'm done, no problem. Just write Brantley at MomentumChurch.tv and just tell them all about it. So, Now, I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to get into the Word of God today. John 18, it says, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I may not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world. Jesus has been brought into Pontius Pilate for him to make a decision about what to do with him. And this is where we're at in the story. Verse 37, then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. I love that. So you are? You just said you have a kingdom. Kingdoms, kings have kingdoms, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. He came to bear witness to the truth. That means if there's truth to be born witness to, that also means there's a lie. If there's truth, then there's something that's false. If there's truth, there are fallacies. And he's saying, I am truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said something that I think is profound because I believe that truth in our generation, really probably the last two generations, truth has been challenged. Am I right about that? Truth is, in a sense, for some, relative. Now watch what Pilate says. He says, what is truth? I love that. That's the question that many people wrestle with. What is truth? Is truth something that I subjectively feel? And because I feel it enough, it is truth. It's truth for me. Does that make it true? Here's what we see. He says, what is truth? After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. And here's the scripture, the verse 39, that my mind just exploded. 39 and 40. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And they cried out, not this man, but Barabbas. And so there's an opportunity in that moment to choose Jesus, who is truth, or to choose Barabbas. And when I read this next line, my brain exploded. It says, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Everybody say a thief. Barabbas was a thief. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you'd visit our conversation today, that you would lead me, anoint my words, but Lord, also anoint our hearing, that we might receive and grow from this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have your seat. So we can see here in this moment, Pilate's asking what is truth, and now he's presenting to the people a choice, because when there's truth, there's always a choice. There's a lie or there is truth. There's always a choice. And so now he's presenting to the people, do you want the king of the Jews, or do you want Barabbas, a robber, a thief? What I want to challenge us today is on this, the danger of exchanging truth for a thief. The danger of exchanging truth for a thief or a false truth. We've seen this before in history. Think about it. The nation of Israel, they have come out of Egypt. They're in the promised land. Moses goes up on the mountain to get what? Truth. To get the word of God. Amen? 
And while he's up on the mountain getting the truth up on the mountain, the Israelites are down in the valley creating and fashioning for themselves a false idol, a thief, if you will, a false god, a, 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 a golden calf that now as Moses comes down, he's seeing them worshiping around, celebrating, venerating, honoring this golden calf. This worship of a false god in the form of a bull, if you will. And I think that's prevalent, or pertinent, I should say. And the reason why is because all throughout Old Testament, you're going to see the reoccurrence of worship of an idol that looks like a bull, that looks like a calf. And what that is, it is the ancient idol, Baal. Everybody say Baal. I can't say Baal without sounding like my hillbilly Kentucky mama. I don't know why. Baal. It just comes out like Kentucky every time. And so this idea of Baal. And the Israelites had begun to embrace the worship of this, this, this entity, this, this spirit of Baal. In Hosea 13, it says, When Ephraim spoke trembling, he exalted himself in Israel. This is years later. Like I said, this isn't anything new. The Israelites have struggled with this trading truth for a thief over and over and over. So now Ephraim, who is one of the tribes, at this time it is Israel. We can just say Israel. But the name Ephraim, it says here that while he spoke trembling, he exalted himself in Israel. As he would go to worship this false god Baal and would begin to tremble under the ecstatic experience of worshiping this false god, he exalted himself in Israel. What's so sad about that is that Ephraim, the name means doubly blessed or doubly fruitful. And when I think about Ephraim, my mind thinks about our country, about America. We're doubly blessed as a country. This is a word for us as a church. This is a word for us as a nation. And we're doubly blessed. You know, the double blessings, if you will, of, 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 of capitalism and democracy. That's powerful. Oh, there's some, some pitfalls to those things I get. The double blessings that we see of, 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 of provisions in our country and peace in our country. Freedom and, and, and so on. And the pursuit of, 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 of liberty and justice for all, right? We, we have all these blessings in our country, much like Ephraim's name. It just meant that he was doubly blessed. But then it says in verse 1, but when he offended through Baal worship, he died. He died. And I want to kind of take this for a moment and just think spiritually. I know he died physically, but he had died a long time before he died physically. As he began to pursue this false truth and began to worship this false truth, he had died to the presence of a living God. He had died to the fire of a living God. He had died to the power, the principles, and the precepts of God Almighty. He had died to those things as he was worshiping at the altar of Baal. And then in verse 2, now they sinned more and more. And that's what happens when we begin to die to God's precepts and principles and his power. When we begin to reject those things, we will begin to sin more and more and go deeper into idolatry and deeper into our own desires. Watch what happened in verse 2. And have made for themselves molded images, idols of their silver according to their skill. All of it was the work of craftsmen. They say of them, let the men who sacrifice Kiss the calves. 
Let the men who sacrifice kiss the calf. So these craftsmen had created these little silver cows that they would be able to walk with. And as they would do things in life, that they would venerate. They would kiss that. They would kiss the cows. Look to the left, say, don't kiss no cows. Look to the right, say, baby, don't kiss no cows. That's what they did. They had crafted for themselves an object of their idolatry, and they had become so comfortable with it that it was just natural to kiss the cow. Let me say it this way. It is in our nature to make gods that we are comfortable with. It is in our nature to, to make gods that won't talk back to us. It's in our nature to, to, to create gods that won't judge us. It's in the nature of man when it comes to trading truth for a thief that we will start to create gods that won't redirect our thinking. These are gods that are made in our image, not the other way around. Gods that are inspiring enough in their beauty to cause us to taste something larger than life, but not so grand as to expose our moral depravity and sin. And we passionately kiss the silver calves. And then we tell ourselves that we are spiritually satisfied and complete. And we can all do that, myself included. How many know you're looking at an idolatrous person before you? Well, then why are you on the stage? Every one of us have idols we got to fight, amen? I'm no different. I'm just wanting you to understand that there is a principality and a power behind all this, that we've got to begin to guard our hearts against Church can even become an idol. Last Sunday, we had a young girl at our church, and um, she was a friend of ours from the Appalachian Trail we had met, and so she had got off the trail, and we had her here, and we picked her up, and we took her to the airport on Monday, last Monday, and, um, and she has a, a very conservative background, faith-wise, Christian-wise, you know, and in the afternoon, she said, boy, you guys sure do have a lot of branding, I said, what, what, what do you mean? She's like, well, like, everybody has momentum t-shirts. How many people have momentum t-shirts on right now? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, we saw a lot more in the first service, the t-shirts, because those are people that were going to one and serving in one. They were coming to the service, and then they were going to serve in different areas. And, I mean, good night. If Pastor Corey didn't have momentum t-shirts, Pastor Corey wouldn't have a wardrobe, you know? <laughs> but she was just talking about how the branding, and, and you know what? I think I get that, you know? But if we're not careful, we can look at that as almost an idol. Like, I love my church. I go to my church. But on Sunday, that's about where it stops, you know? We've got to be careful that we're not creating anything that becomes an idol in our lives. Let me say it again. Don't kiss the cows. In verse 3, therefore they shall be like the morning cloud and like the early dew that passes away, like chaff blown off from a threshing floor and like smoke from a chimney. It's talking about those who trade the truth for a thief, that they lose their stability. And I've seen that. I've seen that even in church. People get excited about church, but they don't allow Jesus to change their lives. Excited about worship and fellowship and, oh, but when it comes to Lord, Jesus being that one who is truth in their life, they begin to struggle with that when it starts to get hot. When God starts to, as Lord, put his thumb on some things in our life. And like chaff in the wind, it blows away. Like dew in the morning, it evaporates. There's a warning here for us. It's easy for us to look at the world and say, look how wrong the world is. I want us to always guard our own hearts when it comes to the idolatry of our hearts first. 
Verse 4, yet I am the Lord your God ever since the land of Egypt. And you shall know no God but me, for there is no Savior beside me. I knew you in the wilderness, in the land of great drought. He's taking them back. He's saying, don't you remember? I'm the one that brought you across the Red Sea on dry ground. Miracle number one. But then when the Egyptians came after you, I drowned them in that same shallow water. Miracle number two. Now you're in the country and you're traveling and I give you a cloud by day and a fire by night to follow? Oh my word. You're hungry? I'm going to give you some manna. Man, that's awesome. I'm providing for you. You've forgotten all that and you've traded truth for a thief. Verse 6. When they had pasture, they were filled. They were filled and their heart was exalted. Therefore, they forgot me. That's what happened. They forgot God. And they said, give us Barabbas. Give us this, this, this lie. Give us this false truth. Let us hold on to that. We don't want truth. We want a thief. Give us Barabbas. Verse 7, so I'll be to them like a lion... Like a leopard by the road, I will lurk. Now, here's what's crazy. When you read this next passage, you're like, ooh, God sounds violent. But then he comes and gives the promise so that you don't have to walk in that. God will always come strong, but he's always going to give you a way of escape. He's always going to bring his grace. He's always going to show you a way when you walk in his truth to walk in the blessing. Why? Believe in me and have life. Not believe in me and experience death. The enemy steals, kills, and destroys, but I come to give life and make life abundant. I want that for you. But so often you want to trade life for death. You want to trade truth for a thief. And so we can see here where it gets really strong, but God's going to give us hope here in a second because that's not what he wants. I will meet them like a bear and deprived of her cubs. I will tear open their rib cage, and there I'll devour them like a lion. The wild beast shall tear them. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs> That's heavy, isn't it? But you got to understand, it has to be heavy, because idolatry is sin, and sin has a price. There always has to be the shedding of blood to cover the sin. And so something's going to happen. God is violent against sin, yes. But he's made a way for grace when you walk in his truth. There's made a way for you to walk in life and life that is abundant. And so that's what he says. He says, verse 9, O Israel, you're destroyed, but, say but, your help is from me. I will be your king. Where is any other that he may save you in all your cities? That verse 6, as I said, when they had pasture, they were filled, they were filled, and their heart was exalted, and they forgot and I just want to tell you, as we're in Thanksgiving weekend, for whatever reason, anytime Thanksgiving comes, I always think about the history of our, of our nation. I'm a historical person. I love history. And every Thanksgiving, I begin to think back. Obviously, it's a, it's a, 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 a holiday that's, that is based in, in history. But I begin to think about history, and that was no different this week. And during this week, I, I reflected on the future and, or on the, the founding and the development of our country and kind of where we're going. And I want to just kind of address some things here because I fear our country is not only embracing false truth, don't miss this, but we are worshiping at the altar of Baal in modern times and inviting Ephraim's end. 
Ephraim died. And the people began to sin more and more. We are worshiping at the altar of Baal as a nation. And there's a danger in exchanging truth for a thief. The the rate of the shift in our country cannot just be something caused by the degradation and desires of men. I don't believe that. I don't just believe men are getting worse. I believe there's something more insidious taking place that is at work right now. The speed of the shift, it seems like the last 10, 15 years, things have shifted so fast. The speed of the shift, listen to me, is demonically influenced. You may say, Ross, we don't talk about demons a lot. We don't. Anytime we've had to deal with a demon, we deal with it, we cast it out. Amen? We know how to deal with demons, but we don't talk about it a whole lot. But I believe the shift is demonically influenced. I believe when Moses went up on the mountain, man, they shifted on a dime. It was like, he gone, okay, get off these earrings, let's start melting them, let's start making a ca-. I mean, they shifted on a dime. And I believe it was because they were demonically influenced. They were trading truth for a thief. And we have seen a shift in our country. And what I want to do is I want to look at Baal and how people worshiped his spirit, that spirit of Baal, and how it relates to our country and the spirit over America. And you may say, I I thought that idols were just false. No, 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 no. They're false idols because they're not the true God. But they're not false. They're real. Idols are demonically influenced things or demonically influenced entities. You're like, oh, that's freaking, freaking me out. Good. Good. <laughs> so in Matthew's gospel, Jesus, he actually calls Satan in his gospel, in Matthew's gospel, he calls Satan Beelzebub. I mean, you remember that when he called Satan Beelzebub? Why? Because he was linking the devil to Baal Zebub. Baal Zebub, which was a Philistine deity. Throughout the Old Testament, the Balaam or the various Baal-type gods throughout the Old Testament, they were nothing more than demons masquerading as gods, and all idolatry is ultimately devil worship. You're like, man, happy Thanksgiving, Ross. So I want you to understand something. It's not just idolatry. It's something that is, is shifting because there is a spirit of the air in America that is trying to bring worship to something other than the true living God. That's why there's a shift. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers. Amen? Principalities, things in the air, supernatural, demonic things. And if you're a guest with it, you're like, man, this, this church is weird. I don't know if I've ever preached about this before. But since the end of August, 1st September, man, I just, I felt like we've got to understand what we're dealing with in our world today is nothing new. But also, it's something supernatural. We need to deal with it as such. And so the thing about Baal of old, the worship of Baal was some of the darkest practices of the day. When it came to worshiping Baal, Baal was, worship was rooted in sensuality, and it involved ritualistic lust-driven and perverted acts. People would come together and worship to Baal in groups of orgies taking place all around the temple as they would worship Baal. Never thought I would use the word orgy in church. You're welcome. 
When I say orgies, these were both heterosexual and homosexual orgies that were taking place. The groups, they would gather in mass, and their carnality was on display. There was so much lasciviousness, which just means loose sexual activity, loose heterosexual practices and perversion, as well as loose, if you will, homosexual practices and perversions. When it came to worshiping Baal, Baal wasn't seen as a male god or a female god. And so people would come to these orgies, they would come to these points of worship, and they would come as a man, they would come dressed as a woman often. And as a woman, they would come dressed as a man. In other words, the spirit of transgenderism was alive and well in the Old Testament. Got real quiet in here. And in the first service, it got real quiet too. And I get it. I want to I respect that because none of us want to be offensive. I get that. I'll talk about that a little bit more in a little bit. It's a sensitive area, all these things that we're dealing with. But just because it's sensitive doesn't mean that we can't, that we're excused from embracing truth and exchanging truth for a thief just because it's sensitive. Now what we see, it feels as if this spirit is being embraced and celebrated in our day and age. And it's placing the innocent at risk. During the worship of Baal, the innocent would be put at risk. Children would be thrown into the fire as an act of worship. Today, what we're seeing with gender confusion in our world is the spirit of Baal that is trying to take our children's best away. It's so that you'll believe and that you'll have life. The enemy loves, would love to steal life and the best of life away. We would see in the worship of Baal, self-indulgence, not withholding anything back from what they wanted. We could see in the worship of Baal, self-harm. There on Mount Carmel, the prophets of Baal, the Bible says that as they were calling down, trying to call fire upon the altar, they begin to cut themselves and to harm themselves before their God, hoping to appease their God and to get Baal to bring fire upon the altar. At times in the Old Testament, they would try to appease Baal by bringing forth human sacrifices and the death of the innocent. And so what we see around Baal's altar, here's the thing about that. What we see around Baal's altar in the Old Testament, it hasn't changed Baal's altar, guess what? Today, what we're seeing in our world is Baal's agenda, the same agenda all these years later. And I'll just say it, the spirit of Baal is in America today. The devaluing of life, we see that in our country. And it's easy for us as Christians to jump on the, the anti-abortion, like, like pro-life. It's easy for us to jump on that, you know? Because I do. I see that as part of the spirit of Baal. But guys, I want to tell you right now, we've got to understand that people are important from the cradle to the grave. It breaks my heart sometimes that the Christian people, we can be so strong against abortion, but then when somebody truly is going through hard times, they're going through poverty. They're going through issues where they need some help. Well, they ought to just lift themselves up by their own bootstraps. They ought to just get a job. Well, you know what? You ought to have enough compassion to find out what actually is going on. Jesus said, if somebody is thirsty and you take them water, it's like you brought him a drink. If they're naked and you clothe them, it's like you clothed him. 
Amen? If they're hungry and you feed them, it's like we fed Jesus. And so with that, yes, from the cradle to the grave, people are important. We should care about, about welfare. We should care about fostering. We should care about adoption. Amen? There's issues that we should care about as we take care of people. But all I'm getting at is that spirit of Baal is one that literally looks light at life and it devalues life. We can see in America the spirit of Baal in the area of lasciviousness with loose heterosexual practices. We can see in America lasciviousness with homosexuality and transgenderism. And I hit the homosexual, the heterosexual thing. I hit that first. Because it's so easy for people to look down their nose at other people. No, no, no. Do you know that for most men, they are not wired to be monogamous? But they choose to be monogamous because they love their spouse. But there's attraction, there's, there's desire, there's draw. But no, there's a covenant that's greater than the desires of the flesh that they act upon as a married man. Amen? So I'm just, I'm saying loose heterosexuality, linking any kind of fornication, all that with homosexuality, transgenderism, all those things. And I'm just going to say it really clear, okay, because I believe there's an attack on this in our country, and I believe it's from the spirit of Baal. God's plan for sex is one married man with one married woman. Now, that's, that's, that, that married woman will be your, your married, your wife. That's called adultery. Not any married woman. Your married woman. But that's God's plan for sex. And any sex outside of those guidelines is sin. And that's hard. That's, a, that's, a, that's tough. I get it. But, but idolatry says, you know what? I know what the word says but I don't care. I'm going to exchange truth for this thief. And from a heterosexual standpoint, I'm going to give myself away over and over and over. This next relationship will be the one I give myself away. No, this next one will be the one I give myself away. No, this next one will be the one and I give myself away. And after a while, that life that God had for you, that was oh, something's been stolen and robbed and, 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 and taken from you. And part of you has died. Does that make sense? God is not the great cosmic killjoy. No. He's a God that wants you to believe in him and in believing, have life. In walking in his precepts and walking in his premises, walk in the best that God has. The spirit of Baal in America today, we see in the area of self-harm. Breaks my heart, young people cutting themselves and hurting themselves. That's an influence in this world that has, has crept up large in the last 30, 40 years. We can see in the spirit of Baal in America today, self-indulgence and perversion. Do you know that more money right now is spent on pornography than all sports combined worldwide? That blows my mind because right now the World Cup is going on. That's why I got my, my sambas on. For the next 13 days, I'll be wearing my sambas every day, just dreaming that I'm on the pitch. In Qatar, I think they built eight different new stadiums. It blows my mind when you see these stadiums, billions of dollars. It's just amazing, all the money spent around the world. And all the money spent on sports combined, pornography, more is spent on pornography. It's just part of what is happening, not just in our country, but around the world. In Jeremiah 19, 
It says this regarding the same people, those people of Israel that have just continued to struggle putting their faith in the truth and staying in worship to their God. It says, the people have forsaken me and have profaned this place by making offerings in it to other gods whom neither they nor their fathers nor the kings of Judah have known. And because they have filled this place with the blood of innocence and they have built the high places of Baal to burn their sons in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal, which I did not command or decree. Continuing the nation of Israel to allow the spirit of Baal to live, to breathe, to rise up, to be worshipped, to be served. And here's the problem with that. Every great society has been brought down by an expression of the spirit of Baal. You can see it with the Babylonians. You can see it with the Persians. You can see it with the Greeks. You can see it with the Romans. You can see it with the European nations. And now we're beginning to see it in our country as well. Societies have been brought down time and time again because they have exchanged truth for a thief. Hosea 9.11, speaking of Ephraim, as for Ephraim, their glory shall fly away like a bird. You know, you think of our American flag, old glory. Guys, if we don't get back to holding fast to truth, and I can't impose truth on anyone else. I have to embrace truth for myself. But if I don't get back, and if we don't get back, our glory will fly away like a bird. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10, you may say, Ross, you've been dealing with all the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? We live under a a dispensation of grace, Ross. The Old Testament doesn't apply to us. Yes, it does. Jesus didn't do away. He came and fulfilled it. So watch what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 18. Consider the people of Israel are not those who eat the sacrifices, participants in the altar. And so he's talking to the Christians that are in Corinth, and he's saying, think about where the Israelites were. Consider them. These are Christians that were living in a city, the city of Corinth, that literally would be like a microcosm of what we're experiencing in our country today. When it came to every single thing I was saying about Baal, that city was embracing those elements. They were embracing a thief, not the truth. And so now Paul is saying to these Christians, consider the people. Verse 19, what do I imply then? That the food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? No, I imply that what pagan sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. And so a lot of times in our mind, we think we're just playing around with idolatry, little little thing. No, 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 it's a demon that we are playing with. That's why it has such a stronghold at times in our life. That's why it's not easy just to break things that we play around with, to to, to, to rid those things, because we're dealing with things that are not just behavioral, and y'all know I'm about behavioral changes. We just did a whole series on mastermind, how to change your habits. But there are times that things that we play around with, we're dealing with principalities and powers. We're dealing with something demonic and supernatural as we exchange truth for a thief. And here's what God says in this. He says, I do not want you to be participants with demons. And that challenges me. Because I think of the things in our world, in our, in our country, that I enjoy. And I think of some, sometimes things that, are, that I can tell, you know what, that's, that's beneath what I should let my eyes see. 
That's beneath what I should let my ears hear. That's beneath what I should do. That, 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 that is something that I, I, I see and recognize that's not God-honoring. I shouldn't let my eyes or my, be participant to it. And that's difficult at times for us as, as, as people. Because you have a desire, your whole human nature wants things that at times your spirit is saying, no, I want to go after God, but your flesh is crying out for something else. But we've got to reconcile it with truth, not the thief. We've got to hold on as worshipers of God, not the idols in our life. And this scripture says that we're participating with demons. In 21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. What that table is, is communion. In other words, you can't have communion with truth and be playing around with a thief. You can't have true fellowship with the divine, with God Almighty, and be allowing idolatry to be a part of our lives. Can you tell that a lot of this talk today is on us, not on the world? I was saying what's going wrong with America, right? But I'm challenging us. I'm challenging us to take heart. Are we embracing truth? Or are we exchanging truth for a thief? We are taking our fill, if we're not careful, at the altar of Baal, eating from sacrifices made to demons. And we've got to guard ourselves before we can challenge a world to guard itself. Well, what does the name Baal mean? Baal means a few things. One, it means Lord. Say Lord. It means ruler. Say ruler. It means master. So this spirit that wants you to exchange truth for a thief, this spirit wants to have dominance in our lives. It wants to have dominance in our country. It wants to have dominance and complete control. That's what a, the Lord, that's what the, the, that, that master, that ruler, that's that spirit of Baal, wants to have dominance. And here's what's wild. Another name for Baal is husband. Husband. What is a husband? A husband is one that you come into covenant with. You come into a deep agreement. Amy and I, we have a marital relationship. There's a covenant between us. Who she is, the Bible says, bone of bone, flesh of flesh. What's mine is hers. What's hers is mine. You know, we are one and the same in a sense. This spirit of Baal wants us to come into covenant with it. For he has control and possession of us. The spirit of Bell wants us to have such a covenantal relationship to where now what he has, which is only death, is now what we walk in. The enemy steals, kills, and destroys. And here's what's wild. In Revelations, the church is warned about the spirit of Jezebel. That we're supposed to guard ourselves from the spirit of Jezebel. What does the word Jezebel mean? Jezebel means married to Baal. That's what is going on. The enemy, this, this, this demonic entity, if you will, in the earth today wants us to come into a covenant, like a marital relationship with it. And so we need a solution. And the solution isn't to fight against people influenced by Baal. Can you say amen? You guys know your pastor. I'm a lover at heart. And that isn't the solution to fight against people influenced by Baal. My heart was so broken this week. At the beginning of the week, I turned the news on. And in Colorado Springs, at a place called the Q Club, some person went into that place and shot up the place and took five precious lives. I don't care if they were homosexual, drag queen, 
transgender, non-binary. It doesn't matter. Five precious lives were taken in that club. 17 others' lives were, were injured in that club. And you know what I first thought? I thought, oh, no. My mind thought, other than the, the loss of precious life, my mind thought, I hope it's not some crazy, I'll just be honest, this is what my thought was, some crazy right-wing, far-right, far-right wing concert, you know, person that, 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 that calls themselves a Christian and they're going out there to clean up the world. I was, like, I was worried about that. Because we've seen things like that. No, no, I'm not saying we fight people, you know. Actually, the person that did the shooting is non-binary himself, obviously mentally ill. His last name is Aldridge, and in the court records, he doesn't want to go by Mr. or Mrs., obviously, but a different honorific. I'd never heard of this honorific. It's Mix, M-X. Have you heard that honorific? It's kind of a a very European thing, but now it's coming to our country, and so it's a non-binary way of saying, I'm not a Mr. or a Mrs., I'm a Mix, MX. And so he wants to be Mix Aldridge. So there was confusion on his part that led him to do all this. But I'm just saying, that is not how we fight this. We don't fight against people influenced by Baal. That's not the solution. On Thanksgiving Day, you guys know my heart. On Thanksgiving Day, I had three people, same-sex attracted, hanging out in my house. Why? Because they know I love them. They know I don't stand in agreement with it, but they wanted to be there. Why? Because nobody loves like dad Wiseman loves. I'm going to honor and I'm going to love people. Amen? But just because I love people, I cannot trade truth for a thief. Because it's robbing our children's best. It's robbing our world's best. So the solution isn't to fight against the people influenced by Baal. The solution is this. It's found in personal revival. That's where the solution is. The solution is to hold fast to truth and to position ourselves as the church to welcome the power and presence of God in our lives so that the world might see God for themselves. See, during the reign of Ahab and Jezebel, the height of Baal worship in Israel had taken place. And God confronted the paganism through his prophet Elijah. Elijah called for a showdown on Mount Carmel. He brings everybody there. He calls out the 450 prophets of Baal. And for once and final, we're going to prove who is the true God. And so the 450 prophets of Baal, they began to to dance and cut themselves and chant and try to call fire down upon the altar. And the scripture says there's no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Nothing happened. After Baal's prophets gave up, Elijah prayed a simple prayer, and God answered immediately with fire from heaven. Immediately. Guys, listen to me. We need a generation to rise up with the heart and faith of Elijah to stand fast in truth, no matter the consequences, and to position ourselves to see the fire of God fall on the altar and make himself known in our lives. That's what we need, to deal with idolatry in our own hearts and to create an altar where we invite God to show up so significantly that others in your life, even when they, don't, they know that you, don't disagree, they, that you don't agree with some things in their life, they still see the fire of God in you. There's still something there that they're drawn to, and it's God himself, the power of God. And so Hosea 6, as we continue, come, let us return to the Lord. For he is torn, but he will heal us. 
He is stricken, but he will bind us up. And then it says, after two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. I really believe that that is a foreshadowing of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Three days, he will rise us up, raise us up. The Bible says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. He will quicken your mortal body. In other words, he'll cause your mortal body to become awake, to become quickened. And I, I just, when I was thinking about that, Pastor Bradley and I were talking about it. It makes sense to me that there's things about the woke kind of community that I agree with. I will be honest. I think there's some things that we need to be woke in. Come on, somebody. But there's some things, like anything, that others have grabbed so hold of that and have brought in the agenda of Baal that it's hard to identify with that because of that. And to me, it just seems like Jesus tells us in 1 Peter that we are to awake from our slumber and that we're to be careful because the roaring lion seeks roaming about trying to destroy us. And so you have God saying, wake up. In other words, be woke because there's a roaring lion. But then you have this false truth challenges us to be woke and in that agenda getting mixed with so many things that have the agenda of Baal a part of it that it makes it difficult for a Christian to stand in that environment or to embrace that environment fully. And so verse 3, let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth that is speaking of the Holy Spirit. Whenever it talks about the latter and the former, it's a deluge of God's presence coming to the earth. But watch the contrast. O Ephraim, what shall I do to you? O Judah, what shall I do to you? For your faithfulness is like a morning cloud, and like the early dew, it goes away. When you're embracing this false truth, everything just flitters away. But embrace the truth, and you get a deluge of the power of the Holy Spirit coming. The former and the latter rain coming together. That's the rains early in the year and the rains later in the year. All coming together, the presence and power of God. And then finally, Hosea 13. It says, O Israel, you are destroyed, but your help is from me. I will be your king. Where is any other? that he may save you in all your cities. I will be your king. Where is any other? I will be your Lord. I will be your God. I will be your ruler. That's what a king is. I want to have dominance. I want to have control in your life. Where is any other? We can look at the country and see where we have traded truth for another. We can see it. But listen, Jesus was traded for a thief, but the thief couldn't die on a cross. The thief couldn't raise from the grave. The thief couldn't make himself known to others physically. The thief couldn't let himself be known in such a powerful way in Jerusalem that the power of the Holy Spirit came upon the early church. The thief couldn't empower the early church to go be a witness to him, to God, throughout all the earth. The thief had no power. The thief was just that, a thief. And so I want us this Thanksgiving weekend to ask ourselves, have we been kissing any cows in our lives? Is there anything in our own lives that we, we take lightly that is linked to the agenda of Baal? Have we? Because the solution is found in personal revival. But the key to personal revival is personal repentance. 
Is there any other thing in our life that we allow to be king? Is there any other thing in our life that we allow to be Lord? Is there anything other in our life that we have come into covenant with? That we have married, if you will, spiritually? Come into agreement with? Allowing to be husband like Baal to us as a type of Jezebel? No, 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 you are the bride of Christ. He is the groom. And he only wants us. We shouldn't trade any, anything, any thief for the truth that he is. The Bible says judgment begins in the house of the Lord. That's why you'll never hear me preach harder on sins in the world than to preach to us to check the idols in our own heart. I won't. I think it's important for us to come from that perspective because what happens is when you go the world, the world, the world, the world, it sets in you a posture that when you're with the world, they don't sense the love of Christ. They don't sense the drawing of the Holy Spirit. But when you check your own self before you wreck your own self, when you look in your own heart and deal with idolatry, it softens you. It allows you, when you're dealing with people that are broken by sin, to enter into that moment and to walk in truth, to walk in life, to allow them to see the fire of God that is taking place. So Elijah, I'll close with this. He comes to the people in 1 Kings 18. And he says to them, this idea of judgment beginning with us, God's people, he says, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal, then follow him. In other words, Elijah's saying to the nation, choose who you're going to serve. And I'm challenging us today to realize that the spirit that is causing us to want to trade truth for a thief is something demonic. It's the spirit of Baal. And that we as God's people, we need to choose. Are we going to have fellowship and communion with the demonic? Or are we going to have fellowship and communion with the Lord God Almighty? We're going to embrace truth. Something powerful happens when you begin to embrace that truth. Watch this. Elijah builds an altar. That's the place where man meets God. That's the place where you have communion with the Lord. That's why we call you to a physical altar often for prayer, because it's the place where man meets God. You can meet God in your house. You can meet God in your car. But making an altar before the Lord is where man meets God. It's where fellowship happens. And so he builds an altar, and then Elijah calls down fire. And, the, and, and basically, he's like, whoever, whatever, if your God brings fire, we'll serve that God. If my God brings fire. That's who truly is God. And so Elijah, the prophet, prayed a simple prayer, and I think we can learn something from it, that started with a reaffirmation of the leadership of God over their lives and a reaffirmation of his submission to God in his own life. He started off with the simple words, O Lord. You remember what Baal was known as? Lord, ruler. And he says, O Lord. And then he goes back to the history. I love it. Oh, Lord, God of Abraham. There's so many stories about how God worked with Abraham. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. There's a reaffirmation of God's lordship over their lives in that moment. Today, I want to challenge you. Are you kissing cows? Is there some things that you need to have a reaffirmation of God's lordship over your life in certain areas? Then he goes on and he says, I am your servant. And that I've done all these things at your word. God, I look at your word and I see truth and I don't like it. But you know what? 
I am your servant. I am not the leader. I will not trade truth for a thief. I am your servant, and I will do according to your word. Do you see why the enemy, Baal, if you will, wants to draw us into a place of worship to him, to cause him to be Lord of our lives? Because it's robbing us from walking in truth as we embrace truth for a thief. And it steals and kills and takes from us. He says, answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are our God, and that you have turned their hearts back. In verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And here's what I love. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. I would say it this way. When it comes to fighting against this, We fight this through personal revival and repentance in our own life that allows us to position ourselves so the fire of God falls on our own lives. Amen? So the fire of God falls in this house as a church so that we position ourselves to move in what God has for us so that when the unchurched are here, they see the fire and the power and the presence of God. They sense an anointing. Amen? Not fighting against, but allowing God to be seen. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. I'll just say it this way. Whoever has the most fire wins. And I'm tired of seeing the world have the most fire in some ways. I'm tired of seeing us as a church, as Christians, trading truth for a thief. And I want to challenge us to personal repentance and personal revival. That's what we need. And it's time for us as God's people to call down fire from the Holy Spirit. Amen? Mm. To call down his anointing. To position ourselves in a way on the altar that we're ready to receive from him. Let's stand to our feet. <clears throat> Everybody bow your eyes and close your head. <laughs> close your eyes and bow your heads. <laughs> Amen. If right now there's something in your life, you're like, Ross, I know there's some, there's some silver cows. There's some idols. There's some things I'm struggling with. And I know I'm going to raise my hand. There's some idols I want to stop kissing. I want to stop being so comfortable with. I want to get supernaturally uncomfortable with some of the things in my life. I don't want to trade a thief for truth. And I see the spirit of Baal and his agenda trying to work its way into my life. Yes, we want to see America change, but America changes as the church changes. America changes as your household changes. America changes as your your city changes, as your church changes. That's, That's how we change our world. And so if right now there's something in your life, you're like, Ross, I'm giving this to the Lord today. Just hold up your hand. I'm holding my hand up too. See hands all over the building. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you right now. We don't make excuses for our idols. We refuse to kiss our idols any longer. We we are not standing in agreement with our idols. We declare you as Lord of our life, the truth over our life. You are Lord and your word is, What you say, we will do it, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, as we create that environment that you've brought a promise that you'll send the power of your Holy Spirit, your fire upon the altar. Lord God, let your fire burn the sin out of our lives. Lord, let your fire, Lord God, just come in such a way that allows those in my life and those in our lives to see you and declare you are God and there is no other. In the name of Jesus, we pray.
Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.